here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Welcome to another episode of the Under the Dome podcast. I am your host. I am Ben Belden. Find me on Twitter at RealBBelden. Make sure that you're following the podcast on Twitter at Under the Dome underscore ND. We've got a lot of things to talk about, a little bit of Notre Dame basketball stuff that we'll lead with here, some big recruiting news and a couple things to keep an eye on, and then we're going to play a little bit of a game of uh, good old-fashioned buy or sell Obviously, we are talking about Notre Dame football in the buy or sell segment and talking about how, you know, what we expect for this upcoming season now that spring practice has wrapped and there are at least the start to some answers, if not answers altogether, about what this Notre Dame football team is going to look like in 2019. So I'm going to bring in my two guests today. I've got Mason Plummer on the line. Mason, how are you? Doing great, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm I'm just hanging in there and getting ready for uh, this uh, the stretch run down here in April and things. If um, Mason is a writer at Slap the Sign, as I am as well, and then another writer at the Slap the Sign is Nathan Erbach. Nathan, how's it going out there on the West Coast? Uh, it's getting hot already, man. I don't like it. We're already like up to ninety degrees essentially. So you guys might be jealous, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I was watching baseball in forty degree weather today, man. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> it's been uh you know pretty solidly 50 60 degrees most of the time here in ohio um got a couple days into the 70s last week but um tomorrow's i guess supposed to be beautiful as well so but not 90 let's just put it that way but anyway um i want to make just a quick i don't know little announcement here that uh my mother's dog, a French bulldog named Rudy, appropriately named for, you know, a Notre Dame podcast, is sitting in the room with me, and he's a little antsy, so if there's weird noises coming, I mean, right now he's laying in one spot, which is good, but I uh, can't guarantee that that's going to happen, so if there's weird noises or me shushing or something, uh, you know, <laughs> listeners or you guys, whatever, just, just ignore and just keep talking, so anyway... Um, before we get started, I want to make sure that um, we give a shout out to Electrasound, who is who has hooked me up with some of this audio equipment that I use to get this podcast off the ground. They're an audio company in Northeast Ohio, but they can service um, a variety of areas as well. Um, if you're in the need for audio consulting, or if you have like an outdoor indoor festival show, whatever 
and you want their services, or if you just need equipment, go to electrosound.com. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I, and then the word sound.com. That's the easiest way to get a hold of them, and they will help you out with your audio type needs. They've, like I say, helped me with this microphone, some cords, these headphones. I mean, pretty much all of it is them. So I appreciate them. Wanted to make sure we shout them out to start the show. And with that, we're going to get started with the actual show part, talking about some Notre Dame hoops news. So one thing that we haven't really talked about on this podcast, um, or really, I mean, well, I specifically or even in general with the Notre Dame basketball team is the fact that DJ Harvey has transferred out of the Notre Dame program. Um, I don't know. I, I found this a little bit surprising, but at the same time, not all that surprising given that, I don't know. I think that given this way that the season went, I don't think it's particularly surprising. I think that there's a lot of people thinking, you know, I don't know that this is, a young man's team and if you're already in your second year like DJ Harvey was you know maybe not I don't know maybe find it looking for a better opportunity I suppose um I could be wrong about that but you two guys are the guys that follow these types of things so I'm gonna um start with you Mason and uh just kind of get your reaction to the DJ Harvey transferring news yeah so um it's not really a surprise. Harvey struggled to find his way in the Notre Dame offense, um, both his freshman year and his sophomore year. He's a guy that likes to create his own shot, sometimes to a fault. And um, everybody everybody who's followed Notre Dame basketball knows that Mike Bray plays very team-oriented basketball, uh, oftentimes making the extra pass and finding the open guy. And Harvey will never be a pass-first guy. He's always going to try to create his own shot. And it really seemed to fit in the Notre Dame offense. I, as a recruiter, I was super hyped about him coming to Notre Dame as highly rated as he was, but it just wasn't really a fit. And I think it's uh, I think it'd be good for both sides if they kind of part ways. Nathan. Yeah. I mean, I think Mason's pretty much spot on and just to kind of echo a little bit about what he said and expand on it further. Um, I, th- I think the injury probably had a little bit to do with this. I don't think he's the same player as maybe he was going to be or what we thought he was going to be coming out of high school. Um, and, you know, and coupled with that, you know, obviously he did kind of play his own style of of basketball that didn't really suit the Bray offense. So I, I think it's probably going to be good for both sides. I mean, obviously Notre Dame has to go out and uh, land a few guys, or especially for next season if they want to compete like we all thought they might um, with Harvey and, um, you know, and other guys returning. But, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, it sucks because, you know, he was maybe one of the top recruits that Bray landed in his tenure in Notre Dame, but I don't think he was ever really going to live up to that billing. So speaking of, you know, not competing and the, I mean, we all, I mean, it's well documented that Notre Dame basketball had its struggles this year and it was almost uh, humorous isn't the word, but it was almost like you just had to roll your eyes. If one more thing couldn't have gone their way, um, I don't know. So, but Mike Bray has said that, you know, he essentially wants to bring this group back next year. Now, obviously, DJ Harvey transferring changes that a little bit. Um, but basically, the core of the team is back. But Notre Dame, especially with the news of Harvey transferring, is looking to add maybe one or two guys via just, you know, regular recruiting and or, you know, the grad transfer type market. And we'll start with the grad transfer type market. There's um, a young man who and you guys can talk about him more than I can, certainly, but 
Justin Pierce from William and Mary. What can you tell our listeners? And Nathan, we'll start with you on this one about Justin Pierce. Yeah, so I mean, he visited a few weeks ago. He's a three-year starter, essentially, at William and Mary. Uh, each year got better. Um, not, not maybe the traditional Mike Bray guy, where he's uh, you know a terrific shooter per se. I mean, he's kind of around that thirty-five to forty uh, percent three-point range, but it's been kind of a fluctuating thing. Like his first year wasn't great. Next year was really good, and then this past year he kind of became more of a slasher. Um, but you know, he's, you know, he's, he would replace DJ Harvey pretty, pretty well with the fact that, you know, same position and everything. And he, this, uh, I think this year he averaged around 15 and nine, um, the nine being rebounds, of course. Um, but he visited a few weeks ago and looks like he's down to North Carolina and Notre Dame. And then I believe Michigan actually. And, um, from all reports seems to, you know, seems to be that Notre Dame is right in the thick of it or, or if not leading. So um, it'd be, be a really nice pickup for next year as a grad transfer. Mason, do you have anything to add to that? I just, um, well, Notre Dame's obviously put their name out in the running for Justin Pierce. And anytime that Notre Dame basketball is mentioned with the names of uh, the elites of the recent years, Michigan and Notre Dame, or, uh, Michigan and uh, North Carolina, when it, when it comes to a transfer, it's a good thing. And uh, I think Pierce, landing Pierce would be really great for this team. As a really somebody to make a difference, then um, Pierce is a good shooter, and well as, as Nathan said, he's a slasher and uh, can easily replace Harvey in their game offense. All right. In addition to that, um, a couple regular transfers on the market. Um, I'll just name off some of these guys, and I'll let you guys kind of go with it. Um, we've got a <laughs> freshman out of Oakland, Braden Norris, um, R.J. Cole from Howard, and then Joey and Sam Hauser, both from Marquette. Um, I'm not familiar with any of these guys, to be honest with you. Um, other than seeing their names thrown around on Twitter and things. Um, Mason, let's start with you on this one. Are, are there any of these guys that you particularly like as far as, you know, what they'll add? Um, or do you think, do you think, which ones do you think might actually end up at Notre Dame? I'm really high on Braden Norris. Uh, this is a guy that's a prototypical shooter, like a spot up shooter. And um, he, he had a solid freshman season at, at Oakland, uh, shooting almost 50% from three. And Notre Dame really lacked a consistent three-point threat. We thought, or at least everyone thought, I thought myself included, that uh, Nate Lachesh could be much more of a lifetime shooter this season and that he was not. Um, T.J. Gibbs was not nearly as good as he has been in the past from three. And I think Notre Dame needed to bring in a guy that can be consistent from three, someone they can kick it out to on drives like T.J. Gibbs. And uh, I think Norris could be that guy for Notre Dame. Nathan, what do you got to add? Yeah, I mean, with Norris, I mean, you have a guy that's obviously going to sit out a year, so he doesn't necessarily have to sit behind TJ Gibbs or, you know, or uh, Prentice Hub. I mean, he can come in, um, you know, have two to three years of eligibility after, you know, once he's once he's eligible to play. Um, and I think he's just a really good role player. And whether that's as, you know, part of the starting five or not, I mean, anytime you have a guy coming off the bench that can shoot, you know, 45-plus from three-point range, that's, that's something good to have. And um, he's a ball handler. He's a point guard for Howard this year, started 30 games. So he has some experience um, and I think something that, you know, could really help this team. Um, some other guys, obviously, that, you know, we didn't mention yet was, you know, R.J. Cole from – I um, forgot where he's from. Where is he from? Howard. From Howard. Howard, yes. Yeah. yes. So not necessarily a traditional Notre Dame, you know, school that he's coming from, but a guy that's averaged over 20 points a game. 
Um, not a, not a, a tremendous three point shooter, but if you average over twenty points a game, I mean, you have some, you know, some some good stuff going on with your game there. Um, you know, probably was just over, overmatched against his comp, or I should say, a like key was the guy that overmatched against his competition, uh, Matt Howard. So moving into like those power five schools is probably probably a good notion for him. Uh, he is entering. Uh, the NBA draft without an agent, though, so it's possible he leaves early, but uh, a lot of schools are in on him. Um, and then, I, obviously, Mason can probably um, talk about the Housers a little bit, but I'm not sure Notre Dame's heavily in on them. I think they'd like to be, but I don't know how much interest there is going to be on their side with Notre Dame. Yeah, they're an interesting one. Um, they're, they're, they said they're willing to transfer, but I don't know if they're the prototypical guys that Notre Dame's going to want to go after as it's both of them, it's not just the one, it's both Sam and Joey Hauser from Marquette. Um, it, it looks like Wisconsin is heavily favored at the moment. Um, it'll be t- it'll be interesting to follow. Both guys are solid, and um, both guys individually will be guys that Notre Dame want to look at, but bringing in two both brothers would be interesting. Um, not exactly sure how Notre Dame fits with them, but um, Nathan, what do you have to add about that? All right, so we're going to put a just kind of a bow on Notre Dame basketball. We're going to move on to a little bit of Notre Dame football recruiting. But before I do, SeatGeek is a ticket search engine that never loses the sight of the fan experience. Simply go to their website, type in the name of a team, and choose the date you're looking to attend. SeatGeek will present you with a graphic chart of the stadium, little dots. Green is good, red not so good. You can choose your seats based on that system and get the best value. Apply the coupon code the Loop Sports. That's all one word. The Loop Sports at checkout, and you'll take twenty dollars off your first purchase with purchase with SeatGeek. So obviously, if you're going by yourself, you can go darn near for free. Or if you're going with somebody else, you obviously can take about you know just about half of your ticket price off, depending on what game you're going to. You have no excuse not to go and root for your favorite team. Just use. The code the loop sports at checkout and have a great time on us. Thank you to SeatGeek for partnering us with with us here at the Loop Sports. And you know, one thing that I didn't do at the start of the show, guys, I guess, is uh, just make sure that I gave a shout out to the fact that you know we are the Under the Dome podcast, but we are partnered with the Loop Sports. I forgot to kind of mention them. If you're looking at our logo, you know our logos are kind of. Um, indicates that, I suppose. But the Loop Sports have been great. We're excited about that partnership moving forward. So I wanted to make sure that I checked those guys or shouted those guys out as well. So moving on a little bit to uh, some football recruiting, which is kind of Nathan's wheelhouse. But um, Mason has, you know, gotten in on kind of a little bit of the the fun with recruiting in the in the last, uh, I don't know, weeks and months, I suppose. Um Two recent commitments to Notre Dame football that I think just about anyone that's a Notre Dame football fan can be really excited about, and even I, who am not a person who follows Notre Dame recruiting particularly closely, can uh, can be excited about as well. You know, in the social media age, I guess it's easier to follow some of these guys, but it seems as if you know people are saying that Jordan Johnson, wide receiver, is the best Notre Dame wide receiver that's been recruited since probably like Michael Floyd, I've heard people say. Um, and then the other one, a defensive end and defensive end outside linebacker type person, um, edge rusher, I guess you should call him Jordan Botello. Um, both guys in the 2020 class that are just going to make a big impact. Let's start with, uh, let's go with Nathan on this one. And, uh, just what can you tell me about these guys and how excited should, 
Notre Dame football fans be about these two guys that Notre Dame has picked up this past week? So I've been looking a lot. And wait, would you say Nathan or Mason? Uh, did <laughs> I, I say? Think I think I think I said Nathan, but I don't actually remember to be honest with you. Nathan, Nathan, go for it. I'll I'll go after you. <laughs> oh no, you're good. I, I was just gonna say I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, Ben. Even if you weren't trying to, I mean, both guys are are highly ranked, and two of the most highly ranked guys in Notre Dame's landed under Kelly um, overall, um, especially at those specific positions. I'm pretty sure that Jordan Johnson um, is the highest ranked guy, at least according to 24-7 sports, that they've landed at wide receiver under Kelly. Um, and one of the top guys, if you include like all the different uh, recruiting ranking systems that they've landed since Michael Floyd. Um, speedster, but also has some size. He's, you know, six six one and a half six two probably um i wouldn't say that he's necessarily kevin austin in terms of the the physicality that he plays with but i think that he's kind of that speed threat um that they're that they're lacking right now in a guy that's more physically built if that makes sense um and then with patello um i mean he's by far the best defensive end they've landed, at least from a recruiting standpoint, obviously Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem are, have turned out to be guys that are, you know, the terrific college uh, pass rushers. But uh, from a recruiting standpoint, Patello is the best guy they've landed since the uh, Aaron Lynch, Stefan Tuit days. So I think Notre Dame fans have a lot to be excited about. And these guys should be, if they're not immediate impact players, they, they might be able to be if unless uh, and you know unless there's just too much on the depth chart ahead of them. Mason, yeah. So um, look at the first Jordan Jordan Johnson. He's just he's above size for the for the he's for the outside wide receiver position. Um, he's he's a little bit lean. I'd like to see him put on some weight, but uh, just so he can get some more after the catch or just be able to challenge for fifty fifty balls more. But um, he is, he is one of the best wide receiver recruits in Notre Dame has landed under Kelly, on, like, ever, really. Um, I just hope it turns out and works out for him. Um, Notre Dame has lacked a true big man like a Michael Floyd or something like that. Miles um, Boykin was all right, but he, he didn't blow anybody out of the water or anything like Michael Floyd did when he was in his time at Notre Dame. And then um, moving on to the other Jordan, Jordan Botello, um, I've looked a lot into him just the past couple weeks, and his, his commitment was great to see. Um, as Washington was initially favored, but um, yeah, he as Nathan said, he's the best rusher, purely pass rusher that Notre Dame's had since Aaron Lynch, and we all know what happened with Aaron Lynch. Unfortunately, I would have loved to see him play four years in Notre Dame, but um, Jordan Batello should be unreal at Notre Dame, and um, yeah, I'm just really excited about both of these guys overall. In terms of the the 2020 class, it seems like you know Notre Dame, you know, depending on what recruiting service I guess you go with, you know, was in the uh, you know somewhere around the 15 range as far as recruiting classes were concerned um, for the 2019 class. However, you know, I think certain guys were underrated, and it was a class, you know, and I got to tip my hat for Nathan telling me this, but I agree that you know this was a class that you know fit Notre Dame needs really well. So those rankings, you know, kind of don't really matter because Notre Dame got what they needed from that class, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So the 2020 class, however, I mean, and I don't have the rankings in front of me, but got to be pretty far up there. And this seems like a class that's off to a tremendous start. Uh, Mason, you know, how, um, I, I don't know, how how do you feel about this 2020 class? Is this one of the better ones um, that you can remember, I suppose. 
Yeah, I definitely think it's one of the better classes that I can remember, especially as far as getting top top tier recruit guys. Um, we kind of touched on that the best rushers Notre Dame seen in recent years being uh, Julian Aquara and you know Dan Hayes, um, Clay Kareem, those kind of guys. But those guys were developmental projects that it's more of a testament to Notre Dame coaching staff. They were the four star, four star, five star guys coming out of high school. These are guys that are already developed and that can walk into this Notre Dame team and really make an impact. And imagine what they can do with the development that we've seen with uh, Aquara and Kareem. So, um, yeah, I think this 2020 classic could shape out to be one of the better ones we've seen in their tally, possibly the best one with a couple more additions. I want to see a couple more additions at linebacker, possibly at the corner positions. Um, the offensive line already looks great, but um, adding Chris Tyree or Tyrek Murphy at the running back would really make for a complete class as well. Nathan, what say you? Um, I like to look at recruiting classes and like duos. Um, I think a lot of years coaches will strike out at a certain position, but it's always, it's not always um, because they, it's sometimes it's sort of intentional, I should say. So like last year at wide receiver, they landed uh, Abdur Rahman out of uh, Illinois and then Cam Hart out of Maryland. And everybody was kind of like, well, you know, what are they doing at wide receiver? And then this year they're in on a lot of top notch wide receivers and just landed Jordan Johnson A.J. Henning from Illinois, uh, a lot of people think Notre Dame is right in the mix for him. Jalen McMillan, um, who's another top 50 receiver out of California. Um, Michael Redding, that's out of ING Academy. Like They're in on these guys, and, pe- and people realize that. And so, like, last year they sort of made this – I don't know. Like they, they sort of just, like, didn't treat the wide, re- position, wide receiver position as uh, – as an immediate need after landing like four to five guys the previous year and then knowing what their 2020 recruiting class might look like just because of what they were in on early. So I really think that this year, uh, like I said, wide receiver and then what Mason touched on with running back only landing Kyron Williams last year, really got to step up and get a guy like Tyree um, Murphy, possibly Kyle Edwards out of uh, Louisiana is another guy to keep in mind. And then the Notre Dame staff is also high on guys like uh, Juton McLean, out of Ohio, um, Demetrium Tra- Tranium, if I say that right. Uh, he has kind of an, uh, an interesting name to say, but he's also out of Ohio. The staff really likes. So with Lance Taylor now as the running backs coach, um, they're in on some running backs. They need to land some running backs. Um, but no, I, I really want to see how this class ends up being, um, not necessarily in terms of ranking standpoint, but how it stacks up to like what they struck out on last year and what they land this year. And so far, that looks to be a good thing. Um, in terms of comparison. All right. Well, we have reached like the 22 minute mark of this podcast, which, you know, uh, is good, I suppose. Um, so I'm going to move right along. We're going to, I'm going to get to this next ad real quick and then we're going to come back and we're going to play some uh, Notre Dame football buy or sell here in a hot second. But I don't know what the weather's like where you guys are, but here in Ohio, I mean, it's six o'clock as we record this on Saturday night and it's like somebody turned the lights off. I started this podcast, you know, recording with the lights off. And, you know, for people that are watching on YouTube, um, probably look a little bit dark. I apologize, but that's all right. So anyway, um, 26 shirts is another partnership that we are excited about, um, for the month of April. They sell cool t-shirts backed by an even cooler mission, which is helping people in need. And just about every two weeks, they create an exclusive T-shirt for $25, and a portion of the proceeds from each sale goes to help a person or family in need. 
and the organization is heavily involved in community outreach. Uh, the artists that you know provide these shirts provide or they, they get a percentage of the sale and the other per part of that shirt goes to impact a life. So if you go to the 26 shirts website, which is 26shirts.com, you can find you know some cool, I guess, limited edition shirts. And they've got, you know, primarily some Chicago shirts on there, but they're kind of branching out and things as well. So, you know, go to 26shirts.com and, you know, check out what they've got and help support a good cause. So we're um, very happy to have 26 shirts on board with us as well. Okay, so as I teased a couple times now, um, and I think this is going to be kind of fun. Uh, we're going to play buy or sell um, with some, and I've prepared like seven, I guess, topics of conversation. We might not get to all of them, uh, just depending on how long we go. I guess I should stop rambling. But basically, we'll start. Uh, we'll start with Mason. We'll go to Nathan, and then if you guys have, and then I'll weigh in. But if you guys have, uh, I don't know, we have a tie. I will break that tie, I suppose. So. Basically, how this is going to work is, you know, I've prepared just a couple of things as far as, you know, stats from last year that I want to get an indication on what you guys think as far as, you know, are these stats going to improve? Um, are they going to be lesser, I suppose, because other areas will improve and and so on and so forth. But so I'll just go ahead and I'll throw this first one out here and then we'll get um, Mason's answer. So Ian Book, quarterback, Notre Dame, good guy. Uh, threw for about 262 yards per game um, last year. He played in 10 games, so that's like you know 2,600 yards for the season. Assuming he's healthy for 12 regular season games, if he stays on that pace, he'll be between 3,100 and 3,200 yards on the season for 12 regular season games. Um, buy or sell, Mason, that that yards per game at 262 or, you know, the total yardage at about 3,100, buy or sell that Ian Book will be higher than that in 2019? I'm absolutely buying it. Um, their name lost a lot on the defense, and they're going to have to score points in order to stay in games, probably about 40 points a game. And a lot of that is going to come through Ian Book. Um, they, re they return a lot of the wide receiver depth that they had last season, just losing Miles Boykin. I'm really high on Cole Komet. Um, Jafar Armstrong is great coming out of the backfield. I expect a big season from Chase Claypool, and Chris Fink has always slept on, but he's bound to have a great season as well. So um, with guys like Michael, uh, Michael Young and Kevin Austin also coming into the mix, um, I fully believe that I think Ian Book will average about 300 yards a game, actually, with some games like Louisville, probably push 400 to 500 yards. So um, that could make it up for a tough game like Georgia. So, yeah, I absolutely believe that, that Ian Book will surpass 260 yards a game. Nathan? Yeah, and no, I'm buying it as well. Uh, partly for what Mason said, I mean, I do think that the offense is going to have to be better than last year. Uh, defense was obviously able to carry him a little bit more. Um, and I think the offense is going to have to be kind of what the defense was last year in order to get back to the – uh, college football playoff but um, another way another thing I want to touch on right there is with Jafar Armstrong I think uh, with Dexter Williams gone to the NFL and Jafar being the main guy out of the backfield I think he could catch you know 40 to 50 balls um, if, if if they include him in the offense properly and I think that's going to help with with the yards per game just because he adds a different dynamic that Dexter Williams wasn't able to provide in terms of catching ability 
So for me, that's a big thing. And then what? Uh, same thing with what Mason uh, said about the tight ends. I really think that this year might be that year where we get back to tight end you in terms of a, a statistical standpoint um, and and not just a draft standpoint. Okay, both of you are kind of stealing some of my thunder for later on, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> um, as far as questions I have, uh, the one thing, I mean, this was an easy one to lead off with. I think this is a easy buy. Um, the one thing, I guess, I, I agree with everything that you guys said. The one thing I think that I'll add that's a little bit different is that I think with the offensive line being more mobile this year, you know, one thing, and they talked about it if you watch the spring game, uh, the, they being the announcers, they talked about that this year, you know, the screen game might be back. Um, you know, it, it's been a couple years since, you know, we've seen the jailbreak screen, for instance, run effectively, or, you know, the screens out of the backfield for, you know, Jafar Armstrong, like Nathan kind of mentioned. Um, so I think that those types of things in a better, op- more mobile offensive line is going to let them do more things where, you know, it's not a big, you know, a deep pass by any means, but you might get some more yardage in the passing game because of that as well. Moving on. We just talked a little bit about Dexter Williams and Jafar Armstrong replacing him kind of as the main guy. Dexter Williams had 995 rushing yards in eight games last year. Um, I guess that was nine games. I, I lied. Uh, nine games last year. Coming up just short of 1,000, obviously. Will Jafar Armstrong, or I guess any other Notre Dame running back, eclipse the 1,000-yard Mark this season, buy or sell, someone does eclipse that 1,000 yard mark, and we'll start with you, Mason. All right, so I'm not. I'm going to sell Jafar Armstrong reaching 1,000 yards rushing, but I will. I would hypothetically absolutely buy that he's going to produce 1,000 yards, uh, all-purpose yards. He's going to be a big force out of the backfield, but I don't think that he's the traditional guy you're going to give it to. 15, 20 times a game, as you would with Dexter Williams. So all-purpose yards, absolutely. But um, as far as purely running or rushing for 1,000 yards, I'm going to sell that. Nathan? I'm going to buy it. Um, I was listening to the Irish Illustrated podcast, probably I think this was about a week ago now, and they were kind of going over some numbers. And I think it's like something where – if he has 200 carries and runs for about like 5.7 yards a carry, which I think is more than capable from a college running back uh, of his caliber, then that's about that thousand yard mark. And then add in obviously with all purpose yards. Um, I know that wasn't the question, but I, I definitely think he goes, you know, into that and close to like that maybe 13, 1400 yard mark when it comes to all purpose yards. And I think he gets, um, you know, he's around that 950 to 1100 uh, yard mark when it comes to uh, uh, ru- just rushing. So I'm going to buy it and say he goes over by just a little bit. So kind of to your point there, Nathan, I have these stats in front of me. Dexter Williams, 6.3 yards per carry last year. And Jafar Armstrong only carried the ball 72 times, but 5.3 yards per carry last year. And people talked about how Notre Dame's running game wasn't very good last year. Assuming it'll be better, I, I think I, I, I'm on board with what you're saying. However, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to sell this um, and kind of break the tie and kind of go with Mason. But this really could go either way. And the reason I'm selling it is because I just think that guys like Tony Jones Jr. and Jameer Smith are going to come in and take touches away from Jafar Armstrong. Um, I don't really think he's going to get to you know, 200 attempts. Um, I think, you know, he's going to 
touch the ball, you know, 10 to 15 times running it, and then another five to seven times, I suppose, on passing type plays. So I just don't know that he's going to have the amount you know, of attempts, rushing attempts to get to a thousand yards. But I think, you know, I think all of us are in agreement that he's going to be darn close. So moving right along, because I want to keep this moving. Um, buy or sell, Mason. Chase Claypool is Notre Dame's leading receiver in receptions next year. Chase Claypool leading the team in receptions, that's the question? Yes. I'm going to sell that, too. Um, I think the ball is going to be spread around a lot. I don't necessarily see Chase Claypool getting five or seven catches a game. Um, I couldn't tell you who is going to lead the team in receptions, but my gut feeling is that it's not going to be Claypool. I've never been huge on Chase Claypool. Um, I do think he'll have a breakout season this year, but leading the team in receptions, I'm going to sell it. Nathan? That's another one I'm actually going to buy. Uh, last year he had about 50. I think he had exactly yep, 50. Exactly 50. Uh, and uh, was it Chris Fink had uh, 49? 49. Yep. So they were right there pretty close. Without Miles Boykin in the fixture, and I, I think Chase Claypool's coming off his best spring at Notre Dame. I, I, I think he's going to be like the most dynamic threat for them. Uh, Fink's still going to get his, you know, with, you know, in the middle of the field and different things like that. Uh, we all know how dynamic he can be as, you know, just a strict, um, you know, route runner and different things like that. But I think uh, it's college football and it's, you know, it's 2019 modern college football. You have to throw the ball down the field in order to win. I think Claypool is going to be the best guy for that. Yeah. I'm going to go with Nathan on this one. So this is kind of fun. Uh, I'm going to go with Nathan on this one and buy that Clay's chase. Well, that was a new one. Chase Claypool will be the uh, leading receiver in receptions this year because, you know, to me it seems like it's Claypool outside, it's Fink in the slot, and then it's just everybody else, I suppose. And I think just because, you know, everybody else, I mean, Claypool might only end up with 50 to 60 catches again, but I think, you know, Miles Boykin led Notre Dame last year with 59 catches. So um, I'm going to buy that one, but, you know, I certainly, you know, I mean, these, like I say, these were two of the harder ones, I think, to think about. All right. Uh, so, you know, we were like one, one, and one. One we all three agreed on, and then the other two, uh, the other two, it was two to one on each of them. So this is kind of fun. Uh, a couple more here. Um, Notre Dame tight ends caught 56 total passes last year. So that's spread across uh, something like 36 from Alizé Mack and – uh, Cole Komet had like 15, and then Nick Wisher and Brock Wright had, you know, a handful each. Um, buy or sell that Notre Dame exceeds that number from the tight end group, Mason? Well, I'm going to have to sell it just because I don't trust anybody else catching passes other than Cole Komet. Um, that Brock Wright is almost an exclusively a blocking tight end. Tommy Tremble has hardly seen the ball. And then I haven't heard anything about George Takic. So um, when it comes to catching the ball, I do think Cole Komet's going to have a breakout season, but it's pretty much just going to be him catching the ball. So without much help, I don't see him over, um, doing over the, you say 56? 56. I don't see him ex- exceeding that now, but I'm selling it. All right, Nathan. I feel like such a homer because I'm buying everything, but this is another one I want to buy. And I actually kind of disagree with Mason to a certain extent. I've I've heard glowing reports about Brock Wright and how he's changed his body this year and how even though he came in as more of an inline blocker, he's 
he's pass catching or he's showing the ability to be a, 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 a decent pass catcher for them. So I think this might be the year that they're able to finally go to their, their uh, tight end format more often. Now I still think Brock Wright as an inline blocker is what, what he's going to be used as mostly, but I could see him catching, you know, maybe three or four touchdowns cause he's in the red zone. Um, you know, and I, and I just think that he's become a little bit more athletic, which will provide, you know, some, some different options for them. Um, and maybe even surprise some teams. So I'm going to go with, you know, and then obviously Tommy Tremble and George Takis might get a few catches here and there. And I think Tommy Tremble specifically has maybe a, a niche role with the team, um, as well. So I'm going to go ahead and say that they, they get around 60 and, and go, and go a tad over, but not, but not too terribly over. Man. Um, I almost don't know what to say about this one, and I kind of just like not want to answer, so we just stay tied because that's fun. Um, golly. Um, I think you could see Cole Komet catch probably 40 to 45 balls at least this year. Um, and given that even like Nick Wisher and Brock Wright caught together like six or seven last year, that gets you pretty close to that 56 number. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and buy this because I just think that Ian Book, you know, you got to remember, I suppose, that Brandon Wimbush played quarterback for the first three games uh, of the season. And without knowing exactly the numbers, the the catches for the tight ends went up when Ian Book started playing quarterback. So just the fact that Ian Book is going to be obviously the quarterback knock on wood, I suppose, um, with health and everything for the duration of the season. I think they'll exceed 56, but it won't be by much. Um, golly, I, I will say one thing I've been hearing, though, that kind of makes me almost want to stay sell on this is I've been hearing that Chip Long has been having to, like, tell Ian Book to throw the ball to Cole Komet. Like, he's open a lot. And, and scrimmages and the blue and bolt, blue and gold game and you know so on and so forth but he like he just doesn't look to the middle of the field for his tight end as much as he should and that kind of scares me a little bit with ian book more so than it does with the tight ends and i think that's where mason's at to a certain extent it's not that he doesn't believe in cole Komet specifically it's just that it, there there might not be enough touches to go around with the young receivers and different things like that that might play a role. So I could totally see it going under. I just think kind of on the long the the way that you were talking, Ben, where I think that Cole Komet will end up getting around that forty mark, and then I think all the other guys combined will get close to like that twenty mark. Yeah. Um, just because I think they are better than they were last year. Yeah, I read those same kind of things, and I guess that kind of influenced my decision a little bit. I didn't reference it, but. Yeah, I did notice that I was in attendance for the blue and gold game, and Cole Komet was hit a couple times, but he was open down the field multiple times, and it's just not a guy Ian Book looks for, I guess. He's looking for the boundary receiver. He's looking for a guy on the slot running across the just past the linebackers. So it's something he has to work on, but, um, but yeah, I'm still going to stick with, with Selling for, uh, for the tight end. Okay. Um, I got three more, and I think we got pretty much the perfect amount of time to cover all three of them. So here we go. Um, right now for keeping score, uh, it's Nathan two, um, Mason one, <laughs> and uh, as far as who I agree with, and all of us one. Um, I think I don't know. Uh, I could be wrong. Notre Dame defense had thirty four sacks last year. I'm just gonna go with it. Um, and I actually I, I don't know how I didn't realize this, but they were led in sacks by Jerry Tillery, which I I don't know. Given all of the 
credit that the defensive ends get, you know, you would have thought it would have been, you know, Aquara or Hayes or uh, Khalid Kareem or somebody like that. Obviously, it makes a little bit of sense because those guys get so much attention that, you know, Tillery, you know, uh, got a lot of one-on-ones and he's a good pass rushing defensive tackle. But I digress. Uh, so 34 total sacks. That's defensive line. That's linebackers. Uh, I think Coney and Tranquil each had about three. Um, will Notre Dame buy or sell exceed? Let me rephrase this question. Buy or sell Notre Dame exceeding that number in 2019? Let's go with Mason. Yeah, I, I'm buying that um, purely on the fact that Aquara, Kareem, and Hayes, the three of them are the three three of the best that you're going to see at Notre Dame and, or in any pro, uh, program in the country really as a whole. Um, and with the amount of pressure, quarterback pressures alone that Aquara had last season that didn't turn into sacks, it's almost ridiculous when you look at the stats. And um, I think even – I know Tillery led the team in sacks and, uh, <clears throat> and his presence is going to be lost with – Kurt Heinisch is not nearly the same kind of guy as Tillery, but with the pressure Notre Dame's going to have off the edge, it's almost going to be relentless. With you're sitting a guy with Dalen Hayes' talent who's completely reinvented himself in this offseason. So with Kareem and Aquara out there, and with Dalen Hayes coming in on third downs and stuff like that, I absolutely believe that they'll surpass that back mark. Nathan, yeah, it's funny. I almost wanted to sell this one, even even though how good we know that their rush linebackers are simply because of Jerry Tillery, and I think they're not going to get the same level of pass rush productivity out of their interior defensive line. But it, it, it is really crazy with how good we know Khalid Kareem and Julian Aquara are specifically, but yet combined last year, they had like less than 10 sacks or just around 10 sacks as, as a duo. And I think that that probably doubles at the very least. I think that Julian Aquara is going to cement himself as a first-round pick. And Khalid Kareem could be right around that same range, maybe a second-round guy just because maybe he doesn't show the same level of versatility, um, at least as a pass rusher. And then add on the fact that I think Dalen Hayes, like Mason said, has reinvented himself. I mean, he's always been he's always been solid at Notre Dame, but I think he's finally getting to the point where he might be like a legitimate pass rush option. Um, Adi Ogundizie last year towards the end of the season. I mean, he might have been their best player in the Clemson game, to be completely honest with you. And, I mean, him as your backup to Kareem, he's only going to spell those guys. Um, And then on top of that, I mean, if you really want to go even deeper than that, I think you have guys like Jameer Jones, if he doesn't end up redshirting, Ovi Agufo, if he maybe gets, uh, you know, I just think that his ability as an athlete, if he gets into games, you know, maybe in like garbage time situations against, uh, sec- you know, second team offensive linemen or something like that during a blowout, I think he might be able to make some plays. Uh, Justin Adamaloa, I think, can make some plays in, in limited time. And then I'm not going to discount the fact that I think that um, MTA and Jason Adamaloa and guys like that have some pass rushing ability where guys are going to be so fixated on Kareem, Aquara, Dale, and Hayes that those guys will have some room to work in the middle of the, um, in the, middle of the uh, offensive line. I'll make this as quick as I can. Like, I was tempted to sell this too because, you know, uh, Notre Dame's defense is going to look a little bit different this year. You know, questions at corner, uh, inexperience at cornerback a little bit outside of Troy Pride. Um, Obviously, the safeties are pretty good, but inexperience, I guess, at even at linebacker, 
and inexperience up the middle. I think teams are going to try to run the ball against Notre Dame quite a bit. Um, I think Notre Dame, you know, teams are going to try to keep Notre Dame's offense off the field quite a bit. But I ultimately am going to buy this with you guys because I think Notre Dame is going to be able, with their good offense, get up on some teams, force teams into a lot of passing situations. And, you know, there's been, I mean, and Notre Dame did this a little bit last year where they went with, you know, on especially like extreme nickel situations with, you know, they went with um, Okwara and Hayes together and with Kareem and Tillery, which was four great pass rushers. You know, this year you could go Okwara, Hayes, uh, Ade Ogundeji could move inside maybe to pass rush and take Heinish off the field, for instance, um, and Kareem as well. So I think they're going to have a similar, I mean, you could even bring in an Adam Aloha twin um, for in that group as well. So I think ultimately when you consider 34 sacks, that's, you know, less than three per game. I think Notre Dame gets at least three per game sacks. So I'm going to buy over 34 and 13 games, assuming, you know, they go to a bowl game. So um, last two. And this one is comes from this one was Nathan's idea. This is the eleven interceptions last season for Notre Dame. So buy or sell, and they were led by Jalen Elliott, who had four. Uh, buy or sell, Notre Dame exceeding that eleven interception mark this year. And I'm gonna buy it. Yeah. I see uh, the Notre Dame safety group. This is the the pairing of Gilman and uh, Elliott is one of the best we've seen in a long time, and I think Gilman had two last season, could have had more, and then Elliott had four. So you say Elliott gets his four again. Gilman should have had more. Give him four or five. And then that's only asking for one or two of Troy Pride, Tariq Bracey, Houston Griffith. So between the, the three of them at the cornerback position, you're bound to have an underthrown ball at some point. So I'm going to buy that. Uh, I think it's totally possible they exceed 11. I think there will be a lot of turnovers that the defense forces that will get the offense into great positions this year. And I think a lot of those will be interceptions. Nathan? I'm going to buy it because of two things, and one of them is kind of negative. Obviously, with Julian Love there, he wasn't tested a lot, and I think the more you test guys, the more the more interceptions you're going to throw, but the more yards you're actually going to gain as an offense as well, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So I think teams, I think guys like Houston Griffith, Tariq Bracey, guys like that, when they play, they're going to get tested more than a guy like Julian Love did, and so they'll be able to force some turnovers because of a good play here and there, but they'll also get beat more. And then the second reason I think is just because of the pass rush. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to throw this out there when we were talking about the pass rush, but they put on a freaking clinic during the blue and gold game. And that might be one of the best offensive lines they play all year. And it was their own offensive line. So guys are going to be rushing the passer. The guys, going to, the quarterback posing quarterbacks, you're going to have to throw quickly. They're going to be rushed into this, uh, to some bad decisions. So I think that's going to force like linebackers, safeties, um, and then obviously the corners to, to turn on some balls. So part of it's negative, part of it's obviously a positive. So I think they'll probably get close to like 15 interceptions as a team. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have a better secondary overall. Um, I'm going to buy this as well. So all three of us are in agreement. Um, I don't want to talk too long about this because you guys made great points. But the one thing that I will add is um, that Notre Dame has kind of made a point of talking about, you know, Brian Kelly talked about um, press coverage a little bit more. They're throwing some of that in. And, you know, if you've read that, like, Troy Pride, for instance, was struggling against Chase Claypool in in the spring, there were some reports about that. It's because they're trying some of this more press coverage. And, 
you know, to kind of go along with their their uh, their pass rush. You know, if you don't give them dink and dunk throws, then the then the the uh, you know the pass rush can get there easier. If the pass rush is getting there, the ball is coming out quicker. Obviously, time for more interceptions, deflections, that type of thing. I think you could see a couple like defensive end interceptions from this group um, as they continue to evolve. So, I think yeah, this is going to be a um, more than eleven total interceptions. So I'll buy that. All right, last one. And this is, uh, I don't know, we probably could have done a whole podcast about this one, but I'll ask us to kind of keep it brief, I suppose. Buy or sell, Notre Dame wins more than nine games this year. Mason. I'm going to buy that. Um, I think the offense is just going to be too good, along with the pass rush and of the defense and then the safety play. I think it makes up for the lacking the lacking experience. There's, there's not a lack of talent, but a lack of experience, in-game experience at the linebacker position. So I, I have Notre Dame. Well, the Vegas line is nine and a half. I have them at ten and two, um, with a solid win in a bowl game to make like eleven and two. I guess. Um, yeah, I think this is a ten win team. They're too good to not be. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, ten win team for me. Nathan. So if I buy this one, I buy every single one, which is just, <laughs> it's horrible. But whatever. Um, I'm gonna buy it as well. Partly for what Mason said, I think the uh, I really think that this team has a lot of similarities to last year, but they're kind of just flip flopped. I think yeah. that I think that the defense is going to be good but not great, and I think the offense is going to be outstanding. And last year was flip flopped. The offense was good but not great, and the defense was outstanding. And I think that either way you spin it, that could be a winning formula. So if they can get to that 40-point-per-game mark that they've never reached, at least in recent years, and that's what college football is going to, if they can get to that 40-point mark, and I think that they can, then I think that they're a 10-win team. Um, only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is the schedule with how many, you know, the, all their all their tough games outside of USC seem to be on the road this year with Michigan, Ohio State, I mean, not Ohio State, Georgia, and uh, Stanford. So the, that gives me a little pause because I think they could easily lose two of those games. Um, you know, and then you never know if they're going to like have a hiccup against Virginia, Virginia Tech, whoever, Boston College, maybe. Um, if you give me the bowl game included, I think it's a hundred percent yes. But I'm still going to buy it as ten and two on the during the regular season. Right, and I should have. You guys both did this anyway, so uh, I think uh, I meant this question to be a regular season type one. I'm going to buy it as well. Um, and Nathan, I'll, you know, to your point, like, you know, if you're buying all of these things, I think you have to buy, um, more than nine wins this season. So I don't know, but anyway, um, I don't know. You guys pretty well said it. I should have let myself go first on one of these. Um, but, um, I I just think that the defense will be good enough. I know people are concerned and I know that, uh, um, and there's right, there's reason to be concerned. I get that. But I think, you know, when you read things about the defense and how they're going to do things differently, you know, one thing that they said that they were going to do a little differently this year is, you know, last year they were just trying to funnel everything into, you know, Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil to clean up there in the middle. This year they're maybe like rushing in the middle a little bit more, pinching those gaps and letting those, you know, athletic but not necessarily like the real physical attacking linebackers that – um, I almost used the word thumper, but that's not what I want um, for for Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil um, and let them go sideline to sideline a little bit. So I think the defense is going to be good enough and the pass rush is just going to be so good, I think, um, that this is going to be a team that wins, you know, I, I'll go as far to say 11-1. and one. I don't know that they'll necessarily repeat the same type of um, 
I don't know, fortuitous bounces that they had in years past, but I don't know. I think that I think this team will be in the college football mix late into the season and we'll see what happens in games, you know, Georgia, Michigan and uh Stanford. Um, you know, that Stanford game might, you know, as it has in years past, mean college football playoff contention or or not. We'll see. So, I'm going to go ahead and buy and uh, we'll just kind of leave it there. So, anything else for the good of the order, guys, that we didn't talk on? Um, I think we hit it all. Good stuff. Same with yeah, you, Nathan? No, I think, yeah, no, I think for the most part we hit it all. We can't talk about everything in a single podcast. So. Yes. Yes. So, this was a good one. I had fun doing this one in particular. So, listeners, if you uh, checked us out on YouTube and you watched this video or you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, whatever it is, thank you. If you find this somewhere and you you know want to find it somewhere else so you can listen in different ways, just check out the Under the Dome Twitter. There's a link in the bio. It'll send you to a nice little place where you can click all the rest of the links and stuff. So um, that's at Under the Dome underscore ND. You can find mine. You can find that Twitter or me at Real B. I, I messed this up both times. At Real B Belden. I've changed my Twitter handle too much, so that's probably my problem. Um, but check us all out you can you know mason and nathan's twitter handles if you're watching this on youtube or on the screen make sure you're checking them out as well make sure you're checking out slap the sign.com i haven't even mentioned well i think i did once but i barely mentioned slap the sign we've got some cool things the slappy awards coming out this week and all of that good stuff so notre dame stuff is coming down the pike is what i'm trying to tell you so check us out so thanks for sticking with us Thanks for uh, coming back. Write us a review. Spread the word. All that good stuff that I always say. And until next time, go Irish. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Critics agree. Dora and the Lost City of Gold is the family film you've been searching for. Go get it! It's packed with action, full of surprises, and will knock your boots off. The discovery of a lifetime. Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Rated PG. Now playing.